Nasty right side of the pedals here for the Cherries. Looking for options. Billy's oh. one of them. Hello, welcome to episode 135 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Hope you're enjoying international break. I mean, you're not, are you? Why am I even saying that? I know England won 5-0 against Andorra, but that one all against Hungary, not particularly great. We all want to go back to the EFL Championship and this weekend, Cherries take on Bristol City. If you subscribe to our YouTube channel, there's plenty of content on the way about that game. It's youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast. Plus, you'll have been able to watch firsthand the content that we're putting out in audio on this very pod. So, we'll concentrate on Sheffield United. Not too long, about 20 minutes. And then, a bit of a special for you as we chat to the father of one of the goal scorers. A very proud dad, we must say. But on the last Saturday that Bournemouth played, we overcame a deficit for the first time this season as Dom Solanke and Phil Bill netted inside what seemed like a few minutes to ensure that Boscombe go back to the top of the table at a rain-soaked Dean Court. It was awful. Conditions were horrible. In the pub beforehand in the 1910, I chat to a few people and fans were nervously optimistic despite that ball draw against Peterborough and 2-1 seemed to be the fashionable scoreline. True to form, Cherries delivered and whilst Dom Solanke's penalty levelled things up, Philip Billing's effort effectively killed the game. And you know what? When Phil Bill scores, Cherries do not lose. There was ecstasy inside the Vitality Stadium when he scored and no doubt at home in Denmark as well, with his friends and family. So after the little recap of that Blades match, Jeff Hayward chats to Mark Billing, father of Boscombe baller Philip, in a candid interview about being the parent of a professional footballer. What's it like being the parent of a player that's overcome tough times to stick it out and then go on to tear it up in one of those popular leagues in the world? What's it like to see your son getting criticism? And is it hard to bite your tongue? Must be. Surely must be. And what must it feel when the crowd sing in his name? and loving every minute of seeing him in action. Stay tuned for that. We cannot wait. But on this pod, who have we got? Jeff Hayward, Tom Jordan, we got Mr Tiggs, myself Sam Davis, but firstly, Neil Dawson. And I asked him how good it is that Bournemouth managed to win and for the first time to come from behind. Yeah, I think there's certain milestones, particularly for new squads and new managers that you want to achieve. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll, we will, I'm sure, have the also the need to bounce back at some point in the season because that will be another milestone for the team when you've got to recover from a defeat. Um, so I think each milestone that you pass successfully um, gives everyone good heart. So we haven't been behind. It, it, you know, the players' heads could have dropped. Sheffield, Sheffield United were a physical side, um, but we didn't. We came back. So milestone tick. And for a side, Jeff, that only seems to play in the the second 
well, the first half, but the second half of the first half. What did you feel when Sheffield United took the lead early into the second half? You're thinking, okay, this is a real test now. And I must admit, at the time, you know, given the fact that our second half performances have been pretty dire of late, especially at home, there was concern for me. Yeah, and the conditions were not in our favour. They suited a, a, a physical side, which uh, Sheffield United were. Um, so it was really heartening to come back from that. I think psychologically, the team pulled together, which was not something we could really say they did a lot last season. They they all sort of got stuck in and uh, and hardly any time passed at all before we were back in the lead, which is uh, exactly the way I like to see us play. And, you know, quite a boon to do it just for the international break, Tiggs. I don't know what it is, but I just felt as though we needed that almost. Yeah, I, I, I remember plenty of seasons where we kind of tail off just before the international break and you're so frustrating is now in the wait. Um, but as Jeff said, I mean, you know, to, to get such a good little spell there at the end and, and it's, it is nice. Like, I can't think of many games where we get to come from behind and to come from behind for a change. Yeah, definitely, definitely filled me with confidence. But it wasn't the perfect performance. I mean, the first half, Tom, they could have taken the lead. I think Billy Sharp had an effort that went over the bar and they looked a solid side despite their league position at the time, which I think was 13th. We always knew that it wasn't going to be that kind of game, was it? It was always going to be a difficult one. Yeah, there always seems to be a, a side that maybe starts a bit slower and you you know they'll probably be there or thereabouts come the end and I think they're probably one of them. Um, and so, yeah, I knew it would be a difficult game. But like you say, yeah, I remember that Billy Sharp charts. I think it was a slight error from, from Lloyd Kelly at the back, wasn't it? Yeah. And um, they broke through. But yeah, it was always always going to be difficult. And even before the whistle was, you know, was blown, they switched ends, didn't they? I never liked that. I don't know what the I don't know what the record is. I don't even know if it's that bad, but I just don't like it. So um, yeah, they switched the ends on us and stuff like that. And yeah, it was it was a difficult first half, wasn't it? But like you mentioned, we've kind of been used to that at the moment. That yeah. it hasn't all gone our way throughout the ninety minutes. So um, I was still confident, um, despite you know not the best start. And yeah, they're, they're a good outfit. They've got some good players. But Jeff, do you know if it was our choice or not? Because I've heard some some inklings on Twitter that it was actually our choice to shoot towards an all stand, which. It kind of makes sense, given the fact that two thirds of our goals have been in front of the Ted Mack. And given our first half form is so good, maybe it made sense to do that. Lloyd Kelly, a bit of a masterstroke there. Well, it was it was a complete masterstroke, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. completely planned, utterly, you know, everything worked out exactly as we, I don't know. I mean, honestly, Doesn't matter. What, what is it? Why, why can we only score at one end? I, I don't get it. Mm. And it was uh, Sheffield United that took the lead, though, into the second half, Neil. And um, it was Billy Sharp actually went on a bit of a run. It came direct from the keeper, I think. It took a couple of bounces. He held off his marker before pulling it back into the path of Gibbs White. And he slid in. It almost looked like it might be slightly behind him, but he timed it perfectly, really. Past Travers. And at that point, you're thinking, OK, well, at least we're shooting towards the Ted Mac. But we managed to turn it around in a in a very quick spell of time and you know it it stemmed from Dom Solanke having a bit of a run didn't it yeah he uh I mean first of all Gibbs White what a excellent player I thought he was superb on the day I, I wasn't there unfortunately I had Covid but I watched it and uh he was a, pl- a much sought after player for this level and they were lucky to get him and I thought he took that fantastically well uh, but no credit to uh Dominic Solanke because he did a uh, two or three really strong bustling runs that caused problems um, for goals. And uh, that one, uh, he was completely and utterly cleaned out. If that had been anywhere else on the pitch, it would have been a straight red. Mm-hmm. And also, um, 
a lot of people not sure of the rules. Um, so everyone arguing afterwards, although the rule does clearly state if you are going into the penalty area and fouled and then continue into the penalty area, it's a penalty. Um, but that seemed to catch out um, a couple of their players and the manager, um, which is in, always interesting. But no, it was a superb um, run from him. He played excellently, I thought, on, uh, on that game again. And then who takes the penalty takes? We're always wondering, right, there's no junior Stanislas, so who's it going to be? Now, I noticed as soon as that kick was given, Dom Solanke sprawled out on the floor injured. Phil Billing ran up to that ball straight away, grabbed it with both arms, clutched the ball to his chest. I thought, it's going to be him. And to be fair, when he, when he did grab it, I thought, well, yeah, to be fair, I've seen him take pens before. He's all right, but it was Dom in the end. And uh, Dom's got that funny technique, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. And do you know what? It's it's important that he's taken them because we've talked about it before. That's the difference between, you know, 15 goals and 25 goals. Mm-hmm. And Neil's spoke about it plenty of times. Ivan Tony. Yeah, exactly. Look at Ivan Tony's goals exactly last season. So, uh, yeah, it's going to make a big difference for him. Uh, and yeah, he's cool, isn't he, when he takes his pens. I do like him. It's interesting to go back to the penalty earlier. Tom and I, uh, I was in the South Stand, Tom was in the North Stand, and we had completely polar views of, of that tackle that led to that penalty. So Tom could see it from outside the box. Mm. And me, as it came towards me, all I could see was Dom fall into the box. So unless you were alongside it, it was really hard to see where the challenge started, where the challenge ended. You know, it was really, really difficult. So I can understand why there was so much contention over it. Um, but when you see the replays, yeah, it, it, it is it is uh, sliding, sliding, sliding. As Neil said, it sh- anywhere else on the pitch, it would have been a red. Uh, you said earlier before, didn't you, Neil, that it reminded you of another tackle? Uh, Simon Francis against Arsenal it was almost identical. Uh, it, it, there, it, there are certain tackles that when they happen in penalty areas, they get punished with a penalty. And But you just know if you're out of control like he was, full length, two, two-footed, not that he caught Solanke two-footed, but he, his two feet were off the ground, then it would have been a red. So, I think and, I think the great thing about that uh, goal as well was the the pass from Lloyd Kelly over the top. Yeah. You know they were obviously yeah. a bit slow at the back, and Stelanke. I mean, he beat beat a couple of them on the way to getting cleaned out. Um, but you know it was it's it's really nice to see us mixing up our game like that. And um, we we we're not obsessive about passing it across the back and having sixty percent possession in a game and you know doing nothing with it. And uh, that was nice to see. It's quite interesting you say that, Tom, because like one of the things that people have spoke about with Lloyd Kelly is their frustration of his like distribution. But every so often, he comes up with this pass over the top that's just absolute dynamite. And you know, a player like Dom Solanke thrives off that kind of ball. Yeah, I think I think with Lloyd, I think sometimes it's I wonder if it's his body language. Sometimes he looks really casual um, in the way. So if he when he gives the ball away, it looks so lazy. Mm-hmm. But like you say, he um, he's got that in his locker, and it was a hell of a ball. And like Jeff says, you know, it's nice to be able to. You know, mix it up and know we've got that in us because because Dom can go in behind if he needs to as well as coming coming short. So it was a clever ball. He's done that a few times this season, and um, yeah, it was it was really good. And like I said, I was um, I didn't know if it was a, a I don't think it's a rule this because I agree with what Neil said. That's a red card or else. Mm. And I wonder if the ref kind of thinks this double jeopardy thing that mm. well I've given them a pen, I can't really send them off as well. That's like two punishments. I don't know, but it does seem odd because when you look back, you think that could have been a red, but. Just happy to get the goal. I mean, I didn't look at it because I don't watch penalties, but I've seen it since and it was a very cool one. So, yeah, a goal scoring form. That's who you want taking your penalties, I think. That's our first penalty since when? Long time remember. Should have had that as a quiz question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess if Stanislas would have taken it. 
yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it would have been, but he's he he's got this technique. I said I've said it multiple times before. He doesn't even look at the ball. He does like almost does a Pogba where he's just like squaring up to the keeper eye to eye, and he's obviously knows where the ball is, but yeah. he he just waits that split second. And it's funny, I I saw um a uh, penalty like slowed down for like, who is it for Man United that takes that kind of skip penalty? Uh, Pogba is it or uh, no, no, you know is it you know like Hernandez or someone? Yeah, Fernandez. Who yeah. takes that Fernandez? And you kind of realise how how well you've got to, I mean, you've got a split second before yeah. you can see which way the capers, uh, which way they're going. And thankfully he got it right. But he also, to be fair, he put it high enough whereby even mm. if the keeper did dive that way, I think it would have been all right anyway. And two, one, we, we held on Tiggs, didn't we? I mean, least Mousset had a, had his chance, but uh, maybe if he was a bit more athletic, he would have probably got to that Oof. header and got over it a little bit more for it to go in. eh? no, <laughs> no, that's that's me being a bit harsh. I, I don't I don't really mean it. It's interesting, really. I look back on that game and I think, okay, let's say uh, we didn't get that penalty and we got sent off. I don't think we would have. I don't know if we would have been able to get another goal because they would have just they would have just parked it, wouldn't they? Completely. It was only because the game was still open at that point. Um, but yeah, uh, I can't remember what you asked me now, Sam Musse. <laughs> I don't know. It, is he a bit of success there? I can't even work it out. For about four of, games, I think. Yeah, the six-game window in the Premier League where he looked yeah. absolutely brilliant. He, he, I think he scored twice against Man United, didn't he? And he, he took them apart. And then he, he scored in a couple of other games and then oh, got so injured. Good, yeah. And then it's been the same story. He, he just, I just don't think he's fit. I don't think he's ever fit. I remember Eddie saying it was like a, it was getting him up to speed and training and things like yeah. that. And, he, and even when we gave him the odd start, he could, he, it got to about 60 minutes and he thought he's done. He's absolutely yeah. done here, and, he, yeah. and even at Sheffield United, I remember, like you say, Neil, when he was in the Prem, he was he'd still he scored two, but he'd still have to come off after that an hour. So, um, yeah, what was really, fitness thing. What was really interesting, I was thought about him was that because he, he was superb for France under twenty ones, and that's a hard team to get into um, if you're under twenty one in French. And Thierry Henry was his mentor, who he used to come down and see him when he first got to Bournemouth, mentoring him on behalf of the French FA. You think you do not go to that level of trouble for a player unless you think they're going to be very special. And yeah. I think we saw like 30 second snippets of it when he was here, but it, it, he'll be like a French Jordan eye potentially, won't he? It just doesn't make it. I'd rather have a, uh, a Bournemouth Ryan Christie. Well, that's it. Yeah, it's, it's almost like you've read the script. There's no script, by the way, but it, it almost like you have, because you know what? There's a player that has really come into his own and mm. he, he set a billing up for that goal to make it 2-1 Tiggs. And he just kind of bided his time on that right-hand side. And he's got that ability to take it to the byline and then, you know, pull it back with his right. Or he can pull in with this, this kind of wand of a left foot that almost seems like Matt Ritchie-esque. But the timing was right. The Billings run was timed right. It was, a, it was just a perfect goal. And you know what? It didn't even need the power to cross the line just because he put it in a different direction. Keeper had no chance. No, he's immense. And I know, Tom, you, you, both you and Sam have been talking about the fact that, you know, since Christie's come in, where does that leave Brooks? Uh, and it's a, it's a real head scratcher. Um, mm-hmm. you, you, you spoke to someone last week, didn't you, Tom, about, about this, about where we might yeah. go with that? What do, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I spoke to uh, James Alcott in League 72, and he was very, like a lot of people are going, how is David Brooks on the bench in the championship? Because I think people that look in just, you know, know the quality he's got, like we do. Mm-hmm. But. As, as I, I don't know if you all agree, but from where we're standing, you think, well, he, he shouldn't be in the team at the moment. I think, I think at the moment, Christie's there's similar there's similarities to both of them. I think from that right coming in, Christie's got is much better off the ball in my opinion. Anyway, um, you saw that in the last game. 
absolutely a proper grafter. But also, he's he's backing up with numbers. He's you know he's that final pass is ended up in a goal, and he's getting these assists on his name. And Brooksy was struggling with that. Um, so yeah, Brooksy will have a big part to play, I think, this season. There's a it's gonna be a lot of Tuesday Saturday games and stuff like that. But at the moment, I don't think any Bournemouth fan puts David Brooks in their eleven personally. So mm-hmm. it might be a kick up the arse he needs though, because I, I think Brooks he's a better player than what he's shown for too long now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jeff, what have you thought of him so far? Yeah, I think um, the, where Brooks has struggled ever since he came back from injury towards the end of um, mm-hmm. our relegation season, he's he's shown flashes. And there have been times where you think it, he he just needs to show it on a more consistent level. Christie is consistently good. His decision-making is good. It's better than Brooks's has been. And he doesn't need to score wonder goals, but he's got that ability to drift in that Brooks has. But also he works much harder in for the team, I think. And he's, he's more physical. So... Brooks, I think, yeah. in the championship just gets pushed off the ball and doesn't get free kicks from referees because they think, oh, he's just fallen over because he's a bit of a waif. Uh, Christie is no waif. Plus, you also see, I don't know about you, Tiggs, but he just seems to be quite highly strung like Matt Ritchie is as well. Yeah, uh, I and, like you that. Know, I, I don't know what his you know disciplinary record is like, but he, he's, he's almost a player that's probably more liable to get yellow cards just because he's so like intense with the way these getting it uh, you know what case in point that two minute clip and i spoke about this on a previous video that avcb put out on twitter and social media the other week where we were making all these defensive blocks and on my own twitter i'd pointed that i'd pointed out after 20 seconds he was right in their faces and he got in front of his marker he won the water uh, he won the ball back he turned his marker he managed to get between uh, two players and then spread this lovely ball upfield and it's just like would david brooks do that no it's really interesting to me because we've got real kind of polarized wings now, haven't we? Because you've got you've got Smith and Christie, who are gonna, you know, mm. they're gonna put in some tackles. They're gonna they're gonna really. And then on the other side, you've got the more kind of flareful Zamora and Anthony, who are gonna, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think a lot of our attacks are gonna come down that left. Um, yeah, it's 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 exciting, so exciting to have a player like that and him come in. And some people were casting doubt over the fact that uh, you know where he'd come from, which I don't really get i mean at the end of the day i know you know scottish football potentially is a little bit uh light at the top but at the end of the day you know he's, he's played against some amazing players already in his career to choose us is a hell of a coup and uh he's already proving a lot of those doubters wrong very very quickly as well have we got a right hand side backup of stacy and brooks by the way i mean that's, that's madness there's yeah, not yeah, yeah. i mean that right side you know to have stacy and brooks on the bench is is incredible and that's going to keep and that's just what I say I think in the championship over the course of a season that's going to play a part so mm. uh, yeah I, I, but yeah I agree with what everyone's saying on Brooksy I, I don't we know there's a player there and I do wonder sometimes if he he almost know, is so frustrated with himself he tries too hard to make something yeah. happen and you think sometimes you think just just let off but he tried to beat the man twice for example mm. and um yeah Chrissy's come in and been a breath of fresh air hasn't he so um Brooks have to fight for his place again it's like um, that saying. Uh, like Sam did did a thing with uh, uh, Brian um, Benjamin. Brian Benjamin. Benjamin Bloom. Benjamin Bloom. Making up names. <laughs> Benjamin Bloom <laughs> channel. Uh, I watch it as well, by the way. Um, yeah. And he said about about Brooks did all right in the in the Premier League. He was really good there. And it's like, can he do it on a cold night in Stoke? You know, on a Tuesday night. It's it's that it's that thing, isn't it? Like, when well, he had a bit more space and time on the ball, how much better he performs? And he's not getting that. No way. 
might find out Tuesday week, Tiggs. Yeah. yeah. Hi, I'm Michael Botto, making some noise for the boys on Back of the Net. Love that chat with the boys. And if you want to see the whole video of that, and also we give a player grading to the players so far this season, as well as take a look at our 12 games that take us up to Christmas. Yeah, the 12 games to Christmas, 12 matches will take us up to that match at QPR on Boxing Day. And we kind of tried to predict how we thought it would go. Let us know what you think in the YouTube comments if you get a chance to check that out at youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast. If you want to support what we do, we'd really appreciate it. We've got a, a number of monthly supporters, which really helps with, with all of our costs and our equipment. And you can support us at afcbpodcast.com forward slash coffee. And on there, by being a monthly subscriber, you'll go onto our Legends wall at the end of every single YouTube video. But not only that, we've also got a private chat group as well where you can share ideas. We'll, we'll pop you a few back of the net exclusives. For instance, we shared some footage after the camera stopped rolling with Mark Billing. And that, you'll hear the interview shortly, but some lovely little nuggets once we went off air as well. So if you want to get involved in some exclusive stuff, Become a monthly subscriber at afcbpodcast.com slash coffee. But of course, the pod will always be free, as will the YouTube stuff. And this was a great interview. It was Jeff Hayward speaking to Phil's dad, Mark. And uh, yeah, thought this was a brilliant piece. Asking him some of the key questions about Philip as a youngster, his move to Huddersfield, the move to Bournemouth, whether he gets involved in any transfer dealings, we find out. Right, here we are then. Mark, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. Thanks, Jeff, and thanks for calling. No, excellent. We're all really interested to hear about what you think about Philip's form for AFC Bournemouth at the moment. But but first of all, I just want to wind back to, to Phil as a young boy. As a parent, you obviously want your son to do as well as possible on the pitch. But at what stage did you think Phil really had the potential to make it big? Oh... That's a tough question. I think I did back in the time when he was five years old. I, I, I saw a football match with him. And then he said, when I grow up, I want to be a professional football player. And I said to him, ah, yeah, but you need to sort out your school first and uh, let's see how it's, how it's going to go. And uh, he said, no, I'm going to be a professional football player. Okay. And that, and that, on that matter, I said, okay, so then let's make a contract. And I wrote down when Philip Billing grow, grows up and uh, becomes a football player, what did uh, what, what, what are you getting your dad then? Oh, man, you're going to get a, a red sports car. Okay, nice. <laughs> and what about mom? Yeah, she's going to get a dress with uh, flowers on. <laughs> Five years old, and uh, I still got the contract, so. Question so, is, though, have you got the car? Have you got the sports car? No, not yet. No, no. <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> so I, I think at, at that point, um, we are living next together, uh, together, just the opposite side of a training ground. And, and we, we, we went there all the time. They climbed the fence and played the football over there. And uh, he played in a cl- club called Jane at that point. And, I could see as a former football player, I could see 
this coach he couldn't he couldn't get him anywhere. So I took him to the local club, it was Esberg, uh, uh, and 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 took him in there and and could see he's got potential. So I think it's just it's just uh, it came along as he grew up, but he was always uh, determined on it because. When he uh, went to seventh grade, they can go to a, uh, another school where where they're educated in in the school, of course, but at the same time in football. And when he started there, he he went up uh, like six in the morning uh, and took his uh, bicycle out there. So he was really really determined to to get something out of uh, the school and and his football. So. Um- and what was it? Was it the, the the touch that he had with his left foot? Was that was that something really natural for him, at, even at an early age? Yeah, you know it was quite difficult because when he was, I was a former uh, ice hockey player as well, and he played ice hockey as well because he he uh, rode around when he was fifteen, uh, fifth, five years old. He he um, skated around in my roller skates. And they were too big for his uh, uh, small feet, so so I bought him uh, some uh, rollerblades and and thought, okay, my he's got a good uh, uh, what do you call it? What do you call it? Balance, balance. balance. yeah, balance, yeah. And uh, took him to to ice skating, uh, to ice hockey as well. And uh, at some point, when he was seven, eight years old, we had to choose either football or ice hockey, and uh, good for him. But, it turns out to be football because, <laughs> um, so yeah, it was, um, he was really determined to, to get something out of, of what he's, uh, what he's capable to do. And, uh, and, and we trained uh, with the left foot. It was, it was like, yeah, it was, it was just meant to be the left foot because, uh, on the other side, we, we trained with his right foot as well. So he could be, uh, when we went to the field over here, it's a, Try to pass me with the with your right foot as well. So, so we did a lot of practice. So, so but but the left foot was obvious. His his good foot, always special. And and when you when he was growing up, who did he have as his idol? Who did he really aspire to be like as a football player? Apart from his dad, obviously. <laughs> um, I th- he's a, he he was a great Arsenal fan, and I think. Uh, Thierry Henry was was uh, his big idol at that time. Uh, he never saw saw a game. Whenever there was a game here in Esberg, uh, the local football, and there was an English uh, game on, he always saw the English game. He didn't care about the, the Danish league. So he always uh, he if if he, if I had any questions about some players in England, I go always ask him. He knew it. He knew all the questions for that. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And here's another question for you. At what age did he overtake you height-wise? Oh, 16. 16, wow. I think. Wow. Yeah. He wow. was uh, He was big. He was, uh, I think I got a picture, so. How tall are you, Mark, actually? I should ask that question for uh, you. One, one eight five, something like that. This is back in 15. Oh wow! Oh yeah. wow! He's got he's got a Nathan Ake cut there as well, by the looks yeah. of things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow, fifteen. Yeah, 
That's un- yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it is. It is unbelievable. So, so tell us about the early part of his career because he got picked up by Huddersfield when he was what seventeen years old. Is that right? Yeah, sixteen and a half. Yeah. So, how did that all come about, and how did you feel about that at the time? Um, we went to a tryout in December twelfth for ten days in Huddersfield. Uh, five guys from four guys from Esberg and one from Aarhus. Uh, two under 16s, two no, four guys, two under 16, no, two under 17s, and two under 19s. And went there for 10 days. And and when we hit the ninth day or so, they came and say, Okay, we want Philip in uh, in January. And this uh, was mid December. So I said, What? That's so no I, time. Yeah, I have to tell his mother that <laughs> he's going to move to England. And there was, um, yeah, she was understandable. She, she was into it as well because she knew that that was his call. That was what he wanted to do, just play football. But we had some, we had some, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, difficulties because he was not that good in school. He was not that good in, in, in language and stuff like that. And I think it was the first year and a half or uh, something like that they call him the one-liner in uh, in Huddersfield <laughs> yeah but but he he really amazed me and 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 could adapt to that life so quickly that was yeah that was, I was really proud there because we didn't we, we tried to call him all the time and he said back uh, right back at us he said if Anything happens, I'm gonna call you. Yeah, but we need to. We need to know are you good? And yeah, as long as I'm not calling you, I'm good. Oh, okay, but you're only 17 years at, at that time, so. So it, it was uh, it was difficult to. To let him go. Uh, and did so, Huddersfield yeah. have a a scout who was close to Esberg or a yeah. Danish kind of expert in the area? Yeah. Um, Philip's former, the first uh, agent he had, um, had a contact, uh, a Scottish guy. He came in with a guy called Ross Wilson, and these guys know 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 each other. And 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 he called uh, because when there was a local guy in uh, in Huddersfield that bought Huddersfield uh, Town Football Club, yeah, and. Uh, they brought in a, a new uh, sports director, and he had his own uh, scout with him. And this scout, Alan, called Philip's agent to say, "Can I come to Denmark to see uh, the first division and uh, the Super League and stuff like that?" So yeah, no worries, come over. And he where he was here for uh, like a week or something like that. They drove around in in, uh, in Denmark to see some football matches, and. Uh, he has to go back on a Sunday, and and Philip's agent he said to Alan, "Ah, you have to come and uh, and look at the under seventeen match in 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 Esberg. He said, "No, I haven't done any research, so no, no, that doesn't matter." So they went out there, and I think they had played ten minutes or something like that. He said, um, "What about this guy? Does he have a contract?" "No." Nope. "What about this guy?" "No." Nope. No contract. Serious. 
Okay. Uh, I want to see this guy and this guy, Philip and, and, and a guy called Victor in uh, for a tryout in uh, in 12 in, in Huddersfield. So that was that was how it's it, it gets started. Everything gets started there. And how did he settle in? Because, I mean, his career really took off quite quickly from the youth level up to playing for the first team. It was quite a quite a quick rise, wasn't it, for him? It was. It was. But but it seems like he always had his uh, feet planted in the in the ground. He, he was not he was not on high level. He's just uh, at the at the first and. Um, throughout his his uh, youth career, he was not that uh, good at uh, scoring goal. He, he he scored goal, but the the what do you call it? Um, when he scored a goal, uh, all that tension or all mm. that he, he didn't he didn't fancy that. He didn't oh, fancy okay. that. He, he just wants to play football. Uh, yeah. Not get all that attention and stuff like that. So it, it was, it was, it was quite hard to see that. Sometimes he rather put the ball back uh, instead of sh- shooting itself and stuff like that. So, so yeah, it it. Uh, but it was it was funny to follow and and at that time I I think I went to UK five six times a year. To see how how he's doing and, and see obvious, go to the stadium, see the matches. And and what did you see in him that was changing, that was improving? Ah, uh, uh, he he was gaining weight for the uh, for the first, and and then uh, it was more it was more professional, uh, and and his, his skills took uh, took a huge leap. Uh, the right way, because it was a fantastic uh, setup in Huddersfield comparing to Esberg, obviously. So, so it was the, um, and 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 his uh, dedication. He was uh, very dedicated to to what he what he was doing over there. So it was nice. And were you there for that game on the first of September, twenty eighteen, when he scored his first Premier League goal for Huddersfield? Ah. Uh... Can I remember that? Which one was I that? think it was against Everton. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I was not there. I was here. Oh yeah. But were you watching every game from uh, from Denmark at the time? Every game. Every so game. How, Still did, doing how did you feel when he when he scored in that game? Uh, proud as hell. <laughs> proud. Um it was it was um yeah you'll always have liked to be there when he's when he came in the first time and and when he had the first uh, start in the the eleventh and uh, and I've got oh, obviously his his first goal, but you, you can never predict when that's going to happen. So it, uh, I, I I've watched every game that he's uh, participating in. I'm sure you have. I'm sure you have. And and I'm interested to know. I'm sure. Other fans would be as well of of how involved you get when he when he does move clubs because obviously when Huddersfield got relegated, the move to to Bournemouth came up. So how how much did he talk to you about that? How did how did you advise him? Um. Yeah. Uh, when 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 
now he's 25 now and he's uh, he's uh, grown up now but but in his early days i i, I did support him uh, the best way i could um and 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 he took advices but but you know he has some agents and and uh, they did some things uh, that i say that's not good to do that but when when you got that distance there's nothing you can do so so i tried to to give him so much of uh, so much information that i could over the phone or twitter or whatever so so it's, it's difficult to be on on sure sure but what what did you think of bournemouth as a as a as a club to move on from at the, at the time ah uh, at that time i i didn't uh, i didn't knew bournemouth that well uh seen them play in premier league of course and and i went in and look at the uh, at, at the um, uh, what do you call it the backtrack the the the, the premier league track yeah yeah and so they've done good in five years and they're a good 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 uh good team uh and and played some uh really good football so said i'm i'm not scared of you going to bournemouth and it's south uh, it's better than rainy yorkshire so go ahead <laughs> quite right quite yeah. right quite right and and he started well um, in his career with us. Uh, he was Player of the Month for August, but um, our season went downhill. It was it was tough for us. I'm sure it was tough for for the players. How was it for a parent of the players, or a parent of the player as you were, to to actually watch that season? Phil was part of that team that just we just got stuck in a, a relegation battle from from about November onwards. Yeah, exactly. It's it. Uh, taking consider that he went down, he did relegate with with Huddersfield. It was not funny to see him on a team that struggled in 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 the bottom as well. Uh, the team was too good to play in the bottom for the, but because it was it was uh, when Bournemouth played that season, they always played like. Um, it's what do you call it? It's 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 really football that you um, like to see, if you understand me. Yeah. It's not it's not it's not boring football. It's it's attacking football and and it's it's uh, it's it's seaworthy, really seaworthy. And and but they had some they had some major the troop the 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 the, the, the is small, and you don't have uh player to player uh, that can if if uh, someone is um injured you you don't have the same capacity to, to put in and say okay you you're gonna do the same that steve cook example uh when he got injured that, that were, you could see that on the team because he was he was solid as a rock and they they lost some stupid games uh to the bottom teams and so it was um it was it was tough to see and i was really sad when they went down really really sad and and does he share his frustrations with you or does he keep himself to himself pretty much 
uh, some some of them came to the to the surface, of course, because it, it's. Uh, I think it's natural that that, that you, you don't fancy to to play in the bottom of the league. It's not. You can see now that you're on top. Uh, everybody's smiling. Everybody has fun with with playing, and that's. Of course, you you need need to take. When when you are performing and when you are top of the league and you need to to get yourself together, but it's frustrating when you are when you're in the bottom of the league and you you lose to someone that you obviously should have won up uh, over. So it's it's yeah, I can see the frustration. I can see it. I can see when he's not happy. I can see it on the field. It's so easy for me to see. And of course, that season it was really difficult because I felt he was really contributing when we when we played uh, those two games, Aston Villa and Brighton. Mm-hmm. And then, then our kind of he, I mean, he scored a fantastic goal in that Villa game. Um, then the the pandemic hit, and they were playing suddenly playing later in the season to, with nine games to to play in front of uh, no fans, and it was all very strange. So. Yeah. That must have been very difficult for for everyone to adapt to. Mm. It was, it was, it was not. And and when you sat home, you can hear you can hear what the the players on the fields was talking about, and it's not normal. You, you're not supposed to do that. You will yeah. you need the the spectators every time. It, it's yeah. it's the especially at home. It's the twelfth guy on the field, and it's it's. You need the the spectators. That's it's gonna give you a lift every time. I think I think because of Phil's height, his skill, and and his athleticism, it, it it's quite difficult. I think for coaches to actually feel that they know what his ideal position is, and and certainly he's played in a variety of uh, of positions. Do do you mm. think the coaches that he's worked for necessarily understand his game as as well as perhaps Scott Parker is at the moment? That's a tough question. Um, sometimes when I see a match, uh, I, I look with the dad goggles on every time. I, I'm more criticism uh, than obviously all of the others to see him on the field. So, so I sometimes I say, why why are you doing this? But you don't know what he's got told from the from the from the gaffer, uh, what what he's supposed to do, because at that height he has, I'll I'll I don't I I don't understand why he is not banging ten with his head every year. <laughs> I really don't understand it. And and if I was a coach, I'll I'll teach him to do that. Yeah. Every every day after training. Just balls in the area and do some headshots and stuff like that. Yeah. But but I think Philip is a very tactical player, uh, despite of his height, because he, he looks like uh, you know he's not hanging together sometimes. But but he's, uh, I have, I can see that. Every time he gets the ball, he always know, you know there's a guy over here. He's 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 running for it, and you can put it there or, or stuff like that. So, 
so it's very tactical in in in, in my point of view um but sometimes uh he looks lazy but even though he probably run, run uh, 10 kilometers in a in a in a match but he looks lazy but that, that, that just the way he is not that he is lazy on the contrary i'll say i think he's the definition there's an english word for it languid is yeah, the phrase exactly, yeah and that that to me sums him up and i think i think a lot of lot of the fans certainly in the the uh, the first season he was with us and perhaps a bit last season we could see that the way the position he was being played i mean he's been played defensive midfield which i don't think is his right position um he's he's been played sort of just as a stopper almost you mm. know just breaking up the play and again he's far more creative than that but but it seems this season that he's really got the the, the space and the players around him to to get the best out of him and it's 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 fantastic to watch. I do wonder whether you've ever thought about saying to him, "Look, Phil, you know, as a dad does say to their kids, you know, mm. every time you score with your head, I'm going to give you some extra money, pocket yeah. money, maybe." <laughs> yeah, I did that. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, since he was him and uh, another guy has, has always been the big guys on the the, the team. And they're always been used for, as box to box player, back and forth, back and forth, all the time. And uh, obviously, I told him hundred times, "I'll give you ten crowns, hundred crowns, if you <laughs> if you do it with your head." But as he said, um, he's not that comfortable with his head because he um, he don't know where it's gonna go. When he goes up uh in my career i have made a lots and lots uh with my head but i i really try to to uh to get philip to focus on that but but it's, i i think that it's not doable well we'll we'll see if we can get a collection a whip round from the back of the net audience and see if we can get him to score with his head this season yeah that'd be lovely so, how often do you get to see him play now? Are you are you uh, able to come over to to the UK to Bournemouth uh, and watch him play? Yeah, uh, due to the the COVID, I haven't been there. So, but I'm coming to uh, to the Huddersfield game uh, two weeks from now. So, uh, I'm, I'm going to come and enjoy that. I'll, I've been um, I've been invited to the executive lounge or something like that uh, by uh, Steve Butler. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. What so, a great game to go to as well for the uh, for the connections you must have with uh, Huddersfield still. Exactly, yeah. I, I still uh, write with some of the, the Huddersfield fans and uh, met up with them in Austria when they went to, uh, to, to on a training trip there when he played in Huddersfield. So, so they're, they're especially one of the guys. He uh, he's he's always writing me and uh, wishing me uh, Philip a good game, and I'll obviously wish them back. So we we don't have any. I I like Huddersfield as a as a as a club. Good, good, really. good, good. And um and how much is Phil enjoying his football this season? It seems that he's really gelled with Jay-Z and Jaden on that left-hand side yeah. and they, they're they playing 
playing teams off the park this season. Yeah. He's really enjoying himself. Uh, I can see it every time he plays. He's playing with, with confidence and uh, he's... Um, I mean, he, he's he he's happy. It's 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 so clearly to see. He's very happy when he plays. So it's it's nice to see. What's what's been his favorite AFCB goal or favorite AFCB moment so far? I think it's going to be when uh, they go up to the Premier League. Oh yeah, that's what <laughs> we want to hear. That's what we want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's been there's been a lot. There's been a lot. So. I I can't take one out and say that's that's and the main thing is that he's enjoying himself. That's yeah. that's the that's that's the that's the main thing for me to see that he's enjoying himself. And and do you do do the family all get together to watch him play? I mean, how do you celebrate his goals when he scores and all that yeah. kind of thing? What's it like? Yeah, yeah. Of course. We are all over there so when when he scores, but we are all over there when Bournemouth scores. Uh, uh, no, no, no matter who scores. So, but obviously, you get some extra tensions uh, when Philip scores. Scores, of course. And what would be the best piece of advice you'd ever given him? Um, I think it's uh, no matter what you do in life, be happy with it. Uh, be happy with the things you do. I think that's the that's the that's the bigger, best advice I gave him. And uh, one of the one of the tough things for footballers, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm sure um, you've seen this as well with Phil, is that social media reaction, particularly when times are not going well, it, it's quite tough. How? How difficult is is it to restrain yourself from not getting involved in some of the stuff that goes on on social media? <laughs> How difficult it is! It's very, very difficult because I have I, when I see that I I just have to write back and say, "Listen, what the beep are you talking about?" <laughs> uh, yeah. Because some some of the you know all those trolls that sit around their laptops and stuff like that and, and have no clue what they are doing to a person, whether it's racism or whether it's it's whatever. It's it's so harsh. It's so harsh. Um, so it's it's very difficult, but, but I have to retain myself and say, okay, uh, I can't do anything about it. So just... Let it, let it pass, but it's it's very difficult, very difficult. Well, let's talk more positive things. I mean, he's he's been capped for Denmark, hasn't he, already? And I'm sure you're looking forward to, to more appearances for the national team. <sighs> yeah, we're still waiting. What happens on that team, I don't know. I can't believe he's not in the squad already on the form that he's showing this season. No, me neither. Me neither. I, I really don't know. Uh, I can say that much. There's not a single uh, national team that ha has a player who's played 80 Premier League games and not is on their national team. I can't find it. Mm. So it's it's very frustrating, I, especially for him. It's very frustrating. 
Well, I'm sure it's not far away. I mean, the, the, the squad that we've got at the moment, we've got so many internationals in that squad. Yeah. So I'm sure it'll only be a matter of time. And, and if he carries on playing the way he's playing, I'm sure it'll be no time at all. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Uh, and I think I think it would be fair to say that um, the fans and the connection we have with, with Phil is now a lot stronger this season, particularly because I think I think we're the fans are now back in the grounds, which I think helps a lot. But but mm. how do, how does Phil see his relationship with the supporters? How that's changed? Hmm. Oh, that's a difficult question. Uh, uh, I think he's trying to to connect with the fans uh, as much as possible. Um, obviously, as I said. To him, uh, since he was 16, 17, when he went to Huddersfield, uh, do yourself a favor and connect with the fans. If you play a shitty game, the fans will still love you because you're not one of those guys just passing by the fans and not say hello to them and kids who want an uh, autograph or something like that. Take that 15 minutes and, and, and really let them see that that you want though you 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 want want to be a part of this uh, as well so but i think he's 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 coming there but he, he's he's uh, he's a shy and silent type so i can, i can understand it's it's quite difficult for him sometimes well he he's definitely been winning us over i think the more he plays and and um Speaking on behalf of all the fans, I think I think the the performances this season that the team, but also you know he's been instrumental in that, has been absolutely fantastic, and, and we we just uh, we just can't wait to see him get 20, 30 goals this season. So uh, and half of those with his head. So <laughs> yeah. please pass that on to him if you if you get, do get to see him. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> excellent, excellent, and um, thanks so much for your time, Mark. It's been a privilege. To talk with you, I think I think we get some real insights there into what it's like being a being a dad mm. um, of a Premier League player, and uh, hopefully we'll be back there as a Premier League player very soon. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed again. <laughs> Great stuff. Up the cherries. Yeah, up the cherries. Love it. Thanks very much to Mark Billing. Uh, really, really nice guy. And he said that we asked if we could uh, tag him in on Twitter. So if you want to follow him, by the way, it's twitter.com. And then the username is uh, Billing Mark. Mark with a C. Only legends have got a C in the name Mark. So Billing Mark. So twitter.com slash Billing Mark. If you don't particularly use Twitter, but then you can uh, check out his timeline there and see everything he's saying. Right, thanks so much for all of the comments that we've had recently. You may have seen from the YouTube channel that we've been asking for feedback. And I know that uh, we've had a few issues with our pod provider, but we've, we're finally on top of them now. And I know that a couple of pods have, um, have come out slightly later. And we really we do want to stick to this uh, Monday deadline. And I'm trying to sort of train up people to sort of manage this for me because I can't sadly do it all, especially because we're doing that Sunday night show. So hopefully in due course, we'll, we'll get it like clockwork 
so that uh, when you're driving to work or whether you're in the bath first thing on the Monday, actually, who does that? The shower, the shower. Um, you can listen to us uh, whilst you're pouring over your cereal, having a soak or whatever. Um, so if you want to leave some comments about this pod, you can do. Uh, we've got a special link, afcbpodcast.com forward slash feedback. Take into account that we aren't loaded with money and we don't have lots of time, but any suggestions you do have that could possibly help us out, then we'd be all ears. You can do it anonymously, afcbpodcast.com forward slash feedback. Right, if you go to Bristol City, firstly, well done for getting tickets. I'll be, I'll be one of them, really looking forward to it, making a weekend of it. And yeah, hopefully it can be another three points. And three points against the Robins would be massive, given the fact that on Tuesday, we then travel to Stoke. And that's not going to be an easy one, is it? And Sam Surridge, I'm sure, will want to get one over his former club. Oh, can't wait for that. Anyway, thanks for listening to Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Christie, right side of the penalty here for the Cherries. Looking for options. Billy's oh. one of them. 